Go ahead, hey, everyone. Man. Welcome to a preview pod. Uh, we recorded this one so you get to see our faces. Ben Yo, who looks greater than me and Ogre, that, but that's besides the point. Uh, we're back for another preview pod and for USC 268, um, which weirdly they decided to have big pay-per-views like a week after each other, which is always fun, but it meant I had to do crunch time for this, which <laughs> is fun. Now, is this card good, though? Yeah. Is it as good as the last one? I'd say no, but it, it's it has some things worth looking out for. It gets it gets better the higher you go. It doesn't doesn't reach the same tops from last week though. Yeah, but there's there's some crazy things and some things worth talking about. So, um, I I don't really have much else to say. Maybe we can go ahead and jump in. I guess we're going off of topology as usual. Yeah, I mean, we have quite a few fights to to cover, so we might as well jump into it. So first fight, it's at flyweight we have C.J. Vergara versus Ode Osborne. Mm-hmm. The, Jama- the Jamaican sensation. So um, both guys contender series. The difference is that Osborne already has three fights, I think, in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, uh, C.J. Vergara is a lot of fun to watch. He comes forward. He puts his hands together pretty good, pretty well. Um, he usually jabs, and then after the jab, he can he can throw an uppercut on a, on an overhand. But he's pretty tight with his hands. His problem is that he doesn't move his head at all in prolonged exchanges. He has like this first layer of defense that he can like sleep or duck under the first punch. But after that, he just keeps he just keeps throwing, and he can get caught with especially with straight shots. And that's of concern about against Osborne, who is like a very long flyweight and super straight shots hit super hard. Yeah, Osborne's kind of janky with kind of his mechanics and whatnot, and he, he can throw himself out of position. But um, against Vergara, that's kind of um a bit of an interesting kind of question because Vergara um. The, the thing that Vergara kind of stands out to me, he's kind of like an offensive fighter who's like a developing pressure fighter. So you see those things there. He has a good eye for like slipping, countering, and jabbing, like Fenyo said. And the problem is um, he's very, very open on exits. The blitzes, there's one fight he had. I, I don't know if it was his most recent one or close to it, but he gets decked in the very first round off of an exit just from the other guy stepping in. But he's very tough, his recovery's pretty nice, and he's an incredibly avid body operator, and he's really, really one of those pace, aggression, and attritional yeah. kind of killers. He's also so, very active on the clinch, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And you kind of just... a good eye for finding, like, knees and elbows in the clinch. Mm-hmm. That's... He's pretty good there. Yeah. I don't... Oh. I, I don't really have much else to add, really, about either guy, but, um... I feel like this this kind of depends upon like um I can this fight's probably gonna be a bit of a banger as long as it lasts I yeah. guess as, I think I think it's a bit of a given that Osborne is gonna hit him very hard early on so yeah. we we'll see if if Vergara can survive like first and a half rounds it's not that Osborne uh, fades too hard but but he can run out of ideas. Because he's usually very successful, like with the 
with getting his long distance and sparking people with the with the one two. He's very long, and as you said, he can go out of position when throwing, but but those shots are straight and they're powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, Bergara is. It's more fun to watch for me, but I think he's a little bit too hittable early, and mm-hmm. I think Osborne is gonna is gonna catch him. Yeah, yeah, and I I'm feel it. By knockout. Yeah, I I I think this is kind of a one where a finish is most likely to occur. Vergara's attritional game kind of appeals to me because I always like guys who are consistent, like body operators, and he's pretty consistent. You see, like the cage cutting kind of developing, so this is probably a guy to keep an eye on down the road. This might be a bit too early for him. Yeah, I mean, he's older and has like a comp- like similar amount of fights to Osborne, but he has been fighting lesser competition. So yeah, I think I think he'll be surprised with this level with this level of athlete, if anything. So next fight is at featherweight. This is Melzig Bagdasarian versus Bruno Sousa, and this is a. A bit of a mirror match. I mean, both guys are like bouncy, karate, like blitzy, kicky guys. <laughs> um, Sousa is from Team Machida, so anyone familiar with that will see the, the style. Like, super upright, not a lot of head movement, but he's very accurate when countering incoming blitzes from from other fighters. Uh, Bagdasarian is a bit more traditional for MMA standards in the sense that he moves his heel a little bit more and he kicks he kicks more with a with a more kickboxing style more than a pure karate style um, I think uh, Bagdasarian holds the advantage just because he's a super hard kicker and I don't think Sousa is going to be comfortable with that he's also like he's also better well, well burst with his hands he jabs a lot he can put combinations together. They are not pretty, but they're more sound than what Sousa has to offer, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen uh, Sousa was kind of hard to find some footage for, um, but the footage that you can see for him is like, you see he has a lot of ideas behind feeler jabs out there and a lot of um, ideas behind using that to put some pressure on. But you also see a lot of the downsides to using a bladed stance from him you see with a lot of karate style fighters with crossing the feet if and for some reason he has like no kicking game at all all i mean he kicks but he has like no setups at all no no yeah exactly that's a better way of phrasing it like he kicks but he doesn't have necessarily like cohesive purposes for it he he depends a lot on the threat of the kick to maintain Mm -hmm. a long distance and i don't think like bagdasarian is going to respect that because he's a super powerful kicker himself and I don't yeah. think Sousa is going to be comfortable at that range mm-hmm. with him. Yeah. Like, Bagsarian, like, the thing you I've seen a lot with him is he sometimes gets trapped in a lot of clinches and collar ties. But, like, this isn't likely to happen here because these two guys... Yeah, I mean, the, the clinch, range. if anything, is, like, a, a weakness for him. But I don't see... It's I not a problem Sousa, here. Sousa is going to exploit that. Th- Both guys just... are kind of sketching the ground, too. But, yeah. again, not, not of much concern on this one. It, yeah, it's very – I feel like this is going to be a whoever comes forward and controls that kicking range wins. And, like, well, Bagsarian's last win was a knockout by kick, if I recall, that he used to yeah. set up the punches upstairs. So, And I've seen Bagsarian do a lot more with his hands than Souza. So, um, 
this might be a weird one, but because it's a karate style matchup, but I yeah. kind of have to go with the guy with more depth and experience. Yeah, same. I, I'm picking Metal Sleek by knockout. Mm-hmm. So moving on, we go to light heavyweight 205 is Dustin Jacoby versus John Allen. Uh, oh, th- this is weird. Actually, um, originally, I think Jacoby is a last-minute replacement, so I have done no homework on him at all. Really? Yeah. I think so this was... Who was Alan fighting originally? He was... Um, I think it was... Hang on, I'm checking. His name was Kamur? Hang on. It was Aleska Kamur. Oh, okay, okay. Let's get yeah, going. and Kamur Com- has... Oh, yeah, that's that's the steepest boy, right? I, I don't know. Camps that well, I, but I it's think, like... I think he is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was going to pick Allen in that one, because Allen kind of just showed that he was willing to hand fight and play with rhythm a bit on the feet. I didn't really see too much, because, well, you know, it's, it's your run-of-the-mill light heavyweight, but... I saw a lot more ideas from Allen than I did from Kamir. Now, I can't speak for Jacoby here at all, so. I think Jacoby is going to fuck him up. <laughs> oh? Like, like they're very similar, but Jacoby is a lot more comfortable on the feet because, I mean, it's the meme that he went to kickboxing and came back to MMA, but, but actually it accounts for something. He's very good at putting the jab and low kicks together. And and just just very he's very calm in maintaining constant exchanges against guys because he's seen that before in a sport that it's all about that. So the thing that Alanga has going for him is that he's well rounded. He might be able to take this the fight down to the ground. Yeah. But he kind of showed Jacoby, some danger off of his back here, and I yeah, mean that's... same. Yeah. But also like Jacoby Gets tired, but fights super well tired. I mean, he survived like a super ass beating by Iwan Kutelava and came back to, to get a draw on that fight. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's a good matchup. And both guys like to bank, so it should be fun. Mm-hmm. But I don't have much of a read on this one other than I've my gut feeling is that Jacoby is going to... To dominate most of the exchanges because he has more depth on the feet, mm-hmm. and I'm picking him by decision. Would you say Jacoby also has more experience? I've not looked at his career too much, but in terms of, uh, I mean, yeah, in MMA they are kind of close. Jacoby has more fights, but he okay. also had the the pro kickboxing fights. So noted. Yeah. Okay, so that brings us to the next one, the people's main event. <laughs> um. The people's main event, which is. In other words, John Volante, the man himself, versus Chris Barnett. And, um, you know, I never thought the day would come on this pod where I have to publicly admit that I had more pain watching someone than Jessica I, but here I am. Because uh, I don't know if any of you have seen John Volante's fight with, uh, what's his name? All of Maurice, them. Maurice Green. Maurice Green. I was actually going to say Fransamar Barroso, which is genuinely the worst fight of all time. Oh, my but... God. That, that guy is so boring. <laughs> <laughs> but if you see that Maurice Green fight, um, how would I describe this? Well, it starts out with John Volante, who is definitely overweight, 
it outstriking Maurice Green and then is like two minutes away from winning. And then you get the funniest ending of all time. And I'm not going to say what happened, but just it's something if you have to watch it, find that ending. There's really I mean, no words for it. I mean, if you think getting like forearm choked by a guy that is mounting you is embarrassing, <laughs> you have no idea. Um, yeah, so John Volante, um, Volante used to actually do stuff, but now he's kind of just the definition of, um, your yeah, I mean, average. He, he was heavy. never great, but he did uh, yeah, stuff. He, he, he used to look like a, like a professional fighter. <laughs> now like he's, he, he was in shape. He had some power. He has a decent process. I mean, it, he was never like, he never had the most depth. To, to his game, but... It, it's like, literally, I watch Volante, and it's like watching a slug try to walk faster than it goes, and then just kind of regress in the other direction. And that's what watching Volante is like. It's just, the thing is, he has no defense at all, except he's just weirdly durable. So, watching all of his fights, if you've seen one, you've kind of seen them all at this point, at this stage of his career. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, we have like Chris Barnett that is like super fat, but actually surprisingly mobile. No, like, no, no. He here's here's the best around. part about here's the best part about Chris Barnett. If you think that John Volante is the fat one in this matchup, yeah, you're wrong. He, not even not even close. <laughs> it's in, it's incredible. Roth Barnett Barnett has to cut to cut a decent amount to make heavyweight, and he's five nine. <laughs> So, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> the thing with Bernetti is like he's powerful and he's fast for for all the weight that he's carrying around, but he has he's no also, depth because he he hasn't been fighting good opposition like in his whole career. And then he's he also followed, he's also just really small, and it's yeah. Just like I mean, Rothwell basically just walked him down, but Rothwell actually has like some depth and is immortal. So yeah. But yeah, Rothwell, it was like a, like really was a levels fight. Mm -hmm. Like Barnett was not on his level and Rothwell just set him up and fucked him up. Uh, on the other hand, Bilante on his last fight against fellow overweight, not heavyweight, Jay Collier, he looked, he looked a lot better than he did against Maurice Green, mostly because he wasn't as fat. <laughs> So, but yeah, he, the thing with Bilant is that he doesn't have a great gas tank, but, but he knows how to fight tired. I mean, we, we say a lot, we say this a lot about different fighters, but it's true. I mean, he gets tired, but he's still countering, he's still intercepting entries with the jab, he's trying to finish combinations with either the right hand or closing the door with the left hook. So, try, I mean, for me, this go one of both ways. I mean, either Barnett kills him early and be, and Vilant is super durable, but Barnett is a huge hitter, so you don't know. But if they both get tired, I don't know, man. I just trust Vilant more. I, I gonna... if, he, if he shows in any kind of okay -ish shape. <laughs> my, 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 my informed pick here is essentially it's heavyweight who gives a damn. But my actual pick, informed by my love of our um, esteemed colleague Julian, will be John Volante. Yeah, same. I'm mm -hmm. picking Bilata by decision. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll probably be, be big, bad, and ugly. But um, actually, the next fight I actually think is pretty good. Um, Jordan Williams is fighting um, an Irish prospect by the name of Ian Gary. Is it Gary? I think it's Gary, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I checked out uh, Gary's last fight, and um, I think he's kind of someone to keep an eye on. And he's still kind of green and whatnot, but there's a lot yeah, of cool I think things. The, I think the... It's too early for him to be in the UFC, but this matchup is it's fine because like Williams is like just as green as he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like what's cool about Gary is um he doesn't really have much in the way of his footwork or like read at rhythm, but like you see the ideas of a developing prospect there, like his distance management, reading things, using strikes into like transitions, and like an extremely dangerous like um opportunistic like submission game off of those transitions yeah he's clearly the the better school of the two on this matchup yeah it's um there's there is just some obvious green things like for some reason he kept giving his back without fighting grips against this one guy in his last fight it's he kind of bailed himself out just by being dynamic and a good enough grappler but and that's also one of the big difference makers here, because Williams' takedown defense is not the best. Yeah. I mean, Williams Williams can grapple a little bit. He's not awful on the ground. I mean, I mean Mickey God, for all the grab that he gets, he's actually, like, a good grappler. Like, no shame getting, getting submitted by him if it goes to the ground, like, just on grappling terms. The thing with Williams that he has going on for him on this matchup is that I feel like he's the more natural fighter of the two. Mm-hmm. Like when things get gets rough, like Williams can push forward and bang even if he's tired, he will. But Williams he will is really forward and he can crack too. Oh yeah, so. Williams is very janky, but like he's pretty dynamic and like the rhythm manipulations you see from him kind of surprise people. Yeah, he so... has a good feeling for fighting. I mean, he's not mm-hmm. he's not very. He's not as well schooled as Gary is, but I think at at this stage of both his careers, um, Williams has like a better understanding of what's going what's going on in the fight, the exact moment. Gary clearly has more tools because he has more resources to make stuff happen. But I mean, if Gary like gets tired or or if it gets ugly, I think Williams has a, a decent shot of pulling this one off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like uh, for me, this one kind of comes down to does this go to the ground or not? And if it does, like how well can I mean, we survive there? I'm, yeah, and who ends up on, on top because... Yeah, because Gary, like I said, his biggest strength is that transitional striking into the clinch. And he will look for those subs immediately. Yeah. Um, If this fight goes deeper, though, it, it's hard not to pick Williams, though. Yeah, I'm still... I still think, like... Gary will have enough to to keep Williams at bay and don't let the fight turn into that second year. So, yeah, I'm picking Gary by decision, but this one is close. Closer, yeah, it's, than, it, it, closer it feels, than you would think. Yeah, it kind of just feels like just some dynamics you kind of have to see, given both these guys are seemingly kind of at the same level. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take Gary, too. I'll, I, I'm kind of interested in some of the things he does here, and I think, like, striking into... The clinch is a kind of underrated thing. Not enough people do. But I 
but I still think it's too early for him. I mean, this this mm-hmm. one is a good fight for him, but after this, like, I wouldn't pick Gary against Mickey Gall, like, not not at all. So, mm-hmm. and that's that's the lower the lower tier of welterweight. So, but yeah, I mean, he's developing, so who knows? We'll see. Um, next up is a middleweight fight: Edmund Shabazian versus Nazarene Iman. Imavov? Imavov, yeah. Imavov, yeah. And uh, I'm pretty sure Shabazian's either just going to outstrike him or just knock him out, honestly, if it <laughs> remains on the feet. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Imavov is, has some, some ideas on the feet. He's like this karate guy, but he actually has punching combinations. The problem with Imavov is that his, his ring craft not very good. And he hates being kicked to the legs. And Shabazian kicks very hard. And he has a good understanding of rhythm. And I think, like, Imabov is, is used to be the, the sniper and the faster guy. He's not going to be that on this one. Mm-mm. Like, Sh- yeah. Shabazian is a bit of a meme because he tra- he trains with Edmund and all that bullshit. But, but I mean, he, Shabazian looked decent in mean, his last fight against Hermanson. He was more composed. Uh, he was clearly winning in the feet every exchange, and Hermanson had to take him down. And even then, he reversed him one time on the ground. Mm-hmm. Imovov is a decent wrestler and grappler, but I don't think he's anywhere close to the le- to the level of Hermanson. Yeah, the the problem here is like Shabazian kind of has some sense of pacing and like timing on the counter, and Imovov has some of the most porous entries I've seen. In this weight class, so that that's kind of the concerning thing. So yeah, if they get if they get into an exchange and Imovov keeps his head on the center line, Shabazian is is going to throw that head to the yep. to the crowd because <laughs> yeah, I mean Shabazian's takedown defense isn't really that stellar, so Imovov might get more success looking for yeah, that. I think, I think it will it would be smart for Imovov to look for takedowns, but Shabazian yeah. like. First layer of takedown defense is pretty alright. You you have to to chain takedowns to take him down, and I'm not sure if Imavov has that on his arsenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of feels clear that Shabazian's kind of fight to lose, barring some surprises. Yeah, I think he will surprise people. I, I think most people are counting him out because of the last two fights, but I think. I think this matchup is good for him, and it's a good level of opposition too. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah, that great of a step down. So, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. there's a good fight. Uh, picking Edmund by knockout first round. Me too. Um, so, next is another middleweight fight between Phil Hawes versus Chris Curtis. And um, do you want to st- take this away? Yeah. Um, These two are kind of a, a little strange, and I feel like this matchup's going to be a little hard to call. Yeah, I mean... I mean, Curtis does some cool stuff on the feed. He's, I think he has the technical edge if they box each other. The problem is that Curtis is moving away class up. And Hoss is, he's a fucking unit, man. <laughs> he's big, he's, he's so strong. And he has like the reactive takedowns and he will be a lot bigger than Curtis. Mm-hmm. So, and Hoss like showed like, improvement on the last fight like Kyle Dawkins is like a good fighter and he he just grinded him like 
Hoss is learning to use every every inch of athleticism that he has. Mm-hmm. And I think that doesn't bode well for a guy that's moving up a division and yeah, hasn't faced his level of competition. Yeah, and Curtis is also kind of old too. Isn't he about 35, 36? He's 34 and Hoss is 32. The difference yeah. is that he has like 34 fights and Hoss only has 13. Yeah. So, yeah, you see with Curtis, like, kind of the foundations with, like, his fundamentals, like, especially in, like, defense. Like, he's deceptively hard to hit to the head because of yeah. how he shells up. But, like, he he doesn't really have much in the way of backwards movement and, like, not really any, like, discernible kicking game. Now, I'll note I only saw one fight of his because he was a little hard to find things for. Yeah. So, who knows? He might just have different kind of opponents to showcase that against. Um, but it kind of feels like, yeah, Hawes, um, gets like some pretense of initiative and will pair strikes together, kicks off punches, etc. Hawes's problem, I think is like best demonstrated against, um, what was his name? The one, his last opponent, Dukakis? Yeah, um, Kyle Dukakis. Yeah. Kyle Dukakis. Yeah. I think when he's, Dukakis kind of, um, was a little more dynamic and surprised him a lot more. And sometimes it kind of seems like Hawes just runs out of idea and just kind of banks upon kind of being physical with the other guy. Um, yeah, I mean, and that could get him in trouble against a guy that is also powerful but a bit more technical than him on the feet. Mm-hmm. The thing is that that save like Hawes has on the, his last fight is that he was a lot stronger than than Kyle. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see how they match up physically because Hawes is going to be... Bigger. I mean, Curtis is a very big welterweight, but there's a difference between being a very big welterweight and being like a a big guy at 185. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, who 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 are we taking here? Probably Haas. Yeah. I mean, I'm going safe with Haas by decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because he's bigger and more athletic. It's hard to and it's hard to find footage over Curtis. I think so. Yeah. I I hope Curtis gets like another fight if he loses loses mm-hmm. this one because yeah he looks interesting and yeah, he probably he probably can get another fight at welterweight next time mm-hmm. yeah so um the next fight though i think is one of the more important fights on this card and definitely worth watching uh probably the first must much watch, must watch. Just, <laughs> yeah so um and it's between two guys who are known for getting badly robbed uh, bobby green in his last fight against Rafael Faziv. Eve and Ally Quinta, most famously the man to beat Khabib Nurmagomedov. Yeah, I mean, if those judges knew what they yeah. were watching, yeah, this would ridiculous. be a different timeline. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So, um, Bobby Green, he rules. Why does he rule, Fenyo? I mean, Bobby Green has a super interesting skill set, and and on paper it. It sounds like it shouldn't make sense, but it actually does. Like, he mixes up different stuff, like the shoulder rolls on the feet, but he also has kick defense. I think he watches, like, Muay Thai fights because on the clinch, he he does, like, some interesting grip stuff that are not, like, very wrestling-oriented. Um, he's super active with the jab. He's great feel, uh, great feeling for rhythm and timing. He's yeah, always, that, that's like, the word that playing with sticks expectations. Out with me. Yeah, Green's sense of rhythm and timing, especially like with his upper body, is 
really, really um, stands out even amongst like a division full of guys who are like known for their sense of like rhythm and yeah. Whatnot. In the fight, for example, in the fight against Venata, I mean Venata doesn't have a lot of depth, but he has he has a very good feeling for fire for fighting and throwing counters. Mm-hmm. And Bobby was either like have have him paralyzed with feints or just drawing counters and not being there to be hit and then hitting him back. It was it was very impressive. And his last fight he looked great. I mean I mean I think he won that fight but or even if he didn't win that like the kind of fight that he fought PCF in didn't make any sense and he was in the last round like basically dominating. He was yeah. Down. Yeah, green can sometimes I think come across as very hot and cold to some people because it's like sometimes it look like when he's switched on like he's on, but it's sometimes like you can kind of tell like maybe he hasn't figured things out yet for himself. Oh, but um, I think what really like it helps green out is like um when he has that space and timing to work. Like, if he faces someone who's, say, like, a better athlete than him or someone who plays with rhythm back with him, and, like, he can get in consistent trouble, all, all, especially yeah, since also, he's... The problem also with Bobby is that he just vibes too much. He, he has... I said this about another fighter last week, but he's the kind of fight that has skills everywhere but doesn't have the tools to take the fight those places. Mm-hmm. So, for example, like he fought, he fought Thiago Moises everywhere. Moises wanted to take the fight, and and I mean, it's not that I'm fanboying over Bobby Green, but I also think he won that fight. But but yeah, it's a problem when when you let the other fighter like take the fight, and yeah. if Ayo Quinta has something going for him, is that he will try to take the fight where he needs to. He's not always successful at it, but he has a good idea of what to do with fights and where to take them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Quinta, like, you can kind of tell, like, if something goes wrong for him, he'll go, like, oh, okay, I'll try something different. Yeah. Um, the problem with I Quinta, though, is that um, his defense on the feet doesn't really, like, show a lot of versatility. Like, you'll see him willing to come forward, play with feints a bit, but doesn't have the versatility to really work off of it and if you, even if you play with rhythm a little bit back like and just kick his legs a bunch bunch like hooker did or just jab at him and reposition he can't really do much about it so yeah i think uh, there's also the question of haven't fought in two years doesn't really go to the body which i kind of feel like given how hard green is to hit upstairs like and, and it's funny because he used to go to the body a lot when he was a prospect, that was like the one of the cooler part of his game. But yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's been super headhunter lately. Yeah. Late late on his career, especially against guys that it doesn't make any sense not to go to the body like Cerrone. So so yeah, I mean, I mean fighters when they get like old in their careers, they they get settled in some habits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, green green still relies upon the, those upper body reflexes, but it, it's like Iaquinta doesn't really have any upper body defense, and it's nor like an attack downstairs consistently. Besides maybe some takedowns, but I'm not too sure unless he disguises those that he's I mean, going to get green, those done. Bo Green's really hard to wrestle. So. Yeah, that's also true. So it kind of feels like Green's just going to jab him up 
kind of all night and put on a vintage green performance, barring a surprise. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if Bob Green like just committed to the jab and the low kick, he should have this in the bag. But I think if if all starts like pressing harder and making it ugly, Bobby will still win the most of the exchanges. But I'm not sure if he will convince the judges. Like judges love aggression, and Iaquin Taven when he's losing, when he's losing, he pushes forward super hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I. I'm. I think Iaquin is going to be a little too tough to t- finish here, so I'm going to take Green by decision. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't trust the judges, but I think Green will do enough at least in two rounds to convince the judges that he's kicking his ass. <laughs> yeah. But but this should be a lot of fun. I mean. Not to undersell Al because I mean we hold him to kind of high standard. He's actually a good fighter. Mm-hmm. He, he puts his hands together well. He knows how to wrestle, and he can he can surprise here and there like with sneaky high kicks, and he can like go full pressure mode. Mm-hmm. He can hide behind his jab. He he has some stuff that he can do well and. And as we said, like Green is not the kind of guy to to take the fight where he wants. So maybe all also gets to to show why he's good on this one. Yeah, but I'm still but, picking Green at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, I think this is one of those fights you should just watch just because Bobby Green is such a fun fighter to watch. Um, but yeah, Green by decision, I think, is the call here. Um, that leads us to our um, are we at the main card yet, or are we still? No, this I think this is the main event of the of the prelims. Okay, yeah. So, um, famous kickboxer Alex Pereira, the left hook her himself, is uh, making in his UFC debut against a guy named Andreas Mikolaitis. And um, I feel the basic problem with this fight um, is exactly where exactly does anyone feel like Pereira is going to go with MMA? Because um, the guy is in his, um, what, mid-30s at this point? Or early 30s? He's I don't know. 34, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he is on a bit of a ticking clock here. He's only had four MMA fights. The question, though, is is his opponent the guy who is going to, like, pose those questions, though? Yeah, I think I think if we keep making the parallels with Easy, um Easy got a a fight that told us more about him, the, his first fight on the UFC, because he fought uh, Wilkinson, I guess. I think it was his name. But the guy tried to push for the clinch and look for takedowns. Uh, Michailidis is not that. He's like a fellow kickboxer, but a lot of tears below Pereira. I mean, he still can try to get takedowns and look for the clinch, but I think... This looks like a matchup designed to give Pereira a win. Yeah, it, it kind of looks like it's um, it, it's designed to give Pereira that left hook knockout highlight reel because it's yeah. like Mikolaitis, like you see him have some idea of initiative, but he's so so open on the entry. He blitzes he's, a lot, and yeah, and, and Pereira's yeah. whole game is like. Okay, please blitz so I can kill you with the left hook. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, and you still can tell Pereira's been applying like some ideas of his ring craft to his cage craft, like cutting off 
the ring and drawing rhythm into attack. And you see, like, he kind of has an innate idea of his clinch work, like, being pretty devastating and powerful. And it also kind of operates as his takedown defense is basically the just, like, I'm not going to fight grips or anything. I'm going to get you in the clinch, get that collar tie, and then knee you really, really damn hard. Yeah. Um, he also is... He's... His footwork has been looking pretty good on the clinch too, so he's he people had been taking him to the cage, but once in the cage, he's actually very good at fighting grips and just kneeing once and then pivoting out, getting back to the center. The other thing is that Pereira can can both pressure to make people blitz into the left hook, or he can just sit back and just counter an entry. So he can do both. I don't know which approach. Um, Andreas is going to take, but I think either way, uh, Pereira is going to catch him with the left hook, if not with a yeah. high kick. And I'm yeah, choosing a knockout first round. Yeah, doesn't feel like the kind of fight that's like for um, Andreas to win here. So yeah, Pereira first they're, round. They're trying knockout. to give him a, a highlight for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, building down that big like is a super fire or whatever. Down the road, so yeah, yeah. I, don't, um, I don't think it's going to happen eventually, but but they're trying. Um, yeah. So, so anyways, we're now at the main card, and this is where shit gets real. Um, yeah, this is way more intriguing. <laughs> yeah. So Frankie Edgar um is fighting Marlon Vera, and this is kind of a weird fight, but it might be really fun. Yeah, I mean. Oh, man. I mean, this one is hard to read because... Yeah, because Vera... Um, I'll start with Marlon Vera. So I feel like Vera's development into this pressure fighter that he's become is... um He's really fun to watch, but it's only when he gets into, like, the clinch where he really, really feels it. Um, And he kind of is best where he's, like, standing his ground, like, reliant upon hand traps drawing the opponent's, like, things in order to step in and get that clinch or to attack them. The problem is he's very, very stiff and upright in the pocket and at range. So everyone who tries to hit him to the body succeeds. And he's not exactly the kind of fighter who works, like, he can cut the ring off on them, but it's still, like, in development. It's kind of depending upon, can I get that clinch and muscle you there? Or, um... But he also makes up for it by kind of being obscenely durable. And yeah. so... To his credit, he the clinch entries had been getting a lot better. No, lately. the clinch entries, for sure. The pocket entries need some work. Yeah. Uh, also, he can crack, so <laughs> that Very, also yeah. helps. And he goes to the body a lot. And yeah, he can he's... turn those left hooks to the body into, into more clinches. So, I mean... He clearly has vulnerabilities, but but I think the game is making more and more sense the more fights go on. I think yeah. he's looking he's looking very good lately. The problem is that um, do you want to spend a lot of time in the clinch against a wrestler like Frankie Edgar? Yeah, because um, here, here's the thing: Frankie Edgar's past his best, but like prime Way Frankie Edgar. Prime Frankie Edgar, y'all must have forgot, on the ground is one of the most terrifying top control fighters ever. And, and especially considering that this is bantamweight, like, Frankie, Frankie's super strong at this at this weight it's, class. It's also like, Edgar can still crack, and it's like, 
although Munoz is invincible, Munoz still got like his attention. Yeah, and, he he cracked Pedro super hard a lot of times. The thing is that Pedro has yeah, gravity, so. and it's like Edgar, despite like also being fast past his best, he's still pretty quick with his hands, hands and excels at drawing guys into those counter reactive shots. So. The question is, how does Vera do on the ground? And um, Vera kind of uses the threat of his, like, dynamic, like, subs and danger to get more control. Yeah, but I don't see that working against Frankie. His stop game yeah, is too that, solid. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Edgar's experience on the ground and handling and stifling guys on the ground, yeah, that's going to be really, really tough. So, this fight's really weird because it kind of, like, you can kind of see Vera still cracking him really hard and hurting him. Yeah. Depending upon where Edgar's durability is at. But you can also see Edgar just like basically going like, hey, we're in the clinch. Oh, you're kind of dangerous here, but now I've got you down and controlling you. So it's kind of a weird fight, I think. But it's, yeah, it's, also it's very hard to read because Frankie might just need two takedowns in the whole fight to win. Because... Mm-hmm. Like, the thing with Marlon is that he makes people super tired, but even at, at what, 40 years old, I am still trusting Ed, Edgar's cardio. I mean, mm-hmm. he was tired on the fifth round against Munoz, but that pace was ridiculous. So Yeah, yeah it's like Munoz puts up an, a very high pace, um, and it's like Edgar's always fought at a high pace anyways, and he was still fighting there. He didn't I, win and, that fight, and but... Frankie was- Frankie was moving a lot more than than mm-hmm. Pedro was, so it made sense. Yeah. And both guys were tired. It's not like like Munoz was fresh mm-hmm. on the fifth. Yeah, it's just um, it's hard to really know what this fight looks like ultimately. So I think the, the main thing is that Edgar's wrestling has been looked diminished lately. Mm-hmm. So we don't know, but. But I need to see Shito defend against this level of wrestler moving forward. So yep. uh, this is like a gamble. I want Shito to win, but I'm choosing Edgar by decision. Yeah, I, I don't really know what to call. Um, um, I can see Shito maybe cracking him and having him hurt. Yeah, or... that, that's very probable. Like, Frankie's yeah. got, like, killed by Corey and by Korean Zombie, so... Who knows? Yeah, so um, I'll go the opposite route with the full admission that I I could be totally wrong here just for the sake of variety. I'll go Vera maybe catches him on entry. Okay, possibly. cool. Yeah, but um, th- this is one of those that's just hard to call until you see it. Um, Somehow the next fight's even more, more insane. Now, if anything, <laughs> um, the next fight might actually steal the show. Honestly. Yeah, I mean. People are looking forward for for Justin uh, versus Chandler, and we'll talk about that later. But but Chain Burgos versus Billy Q, featherweight. This one is going to be crazy. Yeah. So th- I'll begin by saying that um, personally, th- there's kind of some tension of this here because Burgos's last fight really frightened me um, in yeah. terms of optics. And to one before that one too. So. Yeah. But last one with Barboza was really, really scary because um, the knockout alone, but like just um, from he still didn't look as good as he did against Emmett beforehand. But like 
the Emmett fight is also like one of the most violent three rounders you'll ever find yeah. in MMA. And the Burgos fight, sorry, Barboza was a very violent fight too, but like Burgos didn't have nearly as many moments to like even the odds that he did against Emmett. And he was also slower, if you ask me. So um, the question here is kind of like, Billy Q is relentless. He's insane. And um, great cardio too, like insane cardio. Yeah, like you, you think he's going to gas out, but he still keeps going. Um, and the thing is, Burgos is very, very aggressive. And Burgos's biggest problem is always that he makes things way harder for himself than he needs to because he gets too reckless, I'd say. And yeah. Billy Q is the kind of guy who is going to look at that and, uh, and basically go, I'll attack you really, really hard at that moment that you give me that. And Burgos, but what makes this fight potentially great, though, is that Burgos, everything you give Burgos, he's going to try to, like, exploit and build off of. So... Yeah. I mean, Billy has great ideas offensively. That's what makes him... I mean, it's the cardio, is the stupid chin he has, because he, he never dies. But he he takes full advantage of those... Uh, he takes full advantage of those qualities, uh, being very creative offensively. And he actually fights everywhere. He's very good with submissions. He's he goes hard in the clinch, but especially goes hard to the body with body kicks, with straight punches. He gets to the clinch, attacks to the body. He's relentless. Borgos also very relentless. I mean, he's not as high pace, but I mean the difference Burgess, here is that Burgos is more attritional than like relentless. Yeah. I think would be a good way of phrasing it, because like. Burgos will have the ability to manage exchanges better than anyone Billy Q has fought yet. Um, and it will have way more answers on the front foot or back foot compared to other guys, especially his jab. Yeah. Um, the, the problem with Burgos like here is um, Billy Q at the very least understands like how to set things up. Like as you saw against like Mowgli Benitez, like how he got that knockdown off the overhand. And Shane Burgos, if you mess with him just enough, is pretty susceptible to getting timed by overhands because Josh Hammond hit him with 43 overhands. I counted. That is how many overhands. I actually fucking counted. Um, and it's just like that, that Burgos may, for all intents and purposes, just be psychotically durable still. But he, it doesn't change the fact that he still needs his reads. Although he starts fast, he doesn't really, really get the momentum going until, like, he gets those reads. And Billy Q is an insane starter. Yeah. And, yeah, he, and, he stays super hard. But, and, like, he big-brothered Benitez, too, which is kind of crazy. And Benitez is a, a good athlete. Like, he's fast and he's powerful. But also, like, like Benitez, I don't know, has that trouble... Uh, taking the fights where he wants and um, Burgos might have that same that same problem the thing that favors Burgos here is that his skill set overlaps better with Billy Q than Benitez did mm -hmm. and we saw what happened to Billy Q when he was outclassed in a single in a single phase against a good athlete against Gavin Tucker yeah and and yeah I mean this one is sketchy because I don't know if I can, if I can still trust Burgos, but I'm going to do it. I mean, 
Mm-hmm. I think the problem is that Billy Q relies too much, and Burgos relies on his chin too, but Burgos has a lot of a lot more defensive depth. He has his lapses and his moments when he gets let down, but I think Billy Q is going to be hit a lot more than he thinks, mm-hmm. and and Burgos is he just cracks so. I'm not sure you want to take those punches so much, especially if it goes to the body. Yeah, like that that's kind of the thing. It's like we've not really seen anyone really attack Billy Q's body that much. So it's like yeah. and, and Burgos also, works the body as good as anyone else definitely yeah. can. Also, if he fails takedowns, like Burgos very good at punishing you for that. Mm-hmm. He will he will sprawl because he's fucking huge. <laughs> he will punch you to the ribs the whole time. It's going to suck if if he fails the takedown. So yeah. I, the, this one should be great. Uh, this one do, will be... Do not miss this yeah, fight. Yeah, th- this fight's going to be a banger as long as it lasts. It might steal the show, but that depends upon the fight that follows it. Because the fight that follows it is insane also. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I feel like Burgos is deaf. I kind of have to favor him a bit more, but... There, there are reasons to worry about Burgos at this point. I think very realistic reasons. Yeah, I, I really wish Burgos moved up to, to lightweight. Yeah, and if not, that took more time off because that knockout yeah. was pretty scary. But I'm still not ready to, to pick against him on a fight yeah. like this. Yeah, this, this is still kind of, um, still kind of his world, and he th- still thrives in those fights. And it's like you kind of have to sometimes outweigh him in those boxing changes, time him like Emmett did. Or and you Billy, have Q, to, like, Billy Q is a decent athlete, but he's not Barbosa or Emmett. No, I don't think no, he will Barbosa. be able to. He won't be able to sur- to surprise Burgos the way those two monsters did. Yeah, this yeah, one going... this one probably goes the distance, and it's probably going to be really yeah, violent. Yeah, I'm picking Burgos by decision. Yeah, it, it'll be something you should watch it speaking of must watch uh probably what most people consider the real main event <laughs> yeah so, um, so you don't you don't get the rest after that fight <laughs> because... yeah so justin gaethje is fighting michael chandler and um i think I, I i don't think there's any way to mince words about this this fight is not going the distance and if it does i'll be astounded i mean there's a slight chance that chandler yeah there, plays there is. on top of him because chandler is kind of boring from top position <laughs> but yeah. but yeah i mean i don't i don't think it that's going to happen like yeah at all. this this fight is either gonna end literally in the opening minute or it's gonna last longer and it will be insane because this one's tricky to call and i think it would have been harder a few years ago but it's still kind of hard because um here the thing about Gaethje is like what what Justin Gaethje will we see here because we've established two identities we've established pressure Gaethje who likes to work behind that high guard shell and draw counters and then punish your resets with lay kicks or we have outfighter Gaethje who likes to draw you in to like counters with his hand hand fighting or like shift feints in and then get out with that and, and the thing is that I can see both working but I also can see Chandler landing a huge mm-hmm. right hand in, against both types of yes. adjusting. <laughs> it's it's like it, it's weird because it's also um, Chandler will be the like most 
um, explosive wrestler like GHG spot too, like the guy who is gonna look for those reactive shots way more than and say also like the most explosive right hand he's seen. So yeah, it's like Gaethje is kind of an underrated athlete, but Michael Chandler is still one of the like what top five yeah, athletes. Chandler is going to be way faster than him. Yeah, and it's um, it, 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 it's a different kind of fast than, for example, Michael Johnson because Johnson has this super nimble thing about him that. He moves super quick and and you don't even like notice. Chandler is on the other hand like super explosive, like his big movements, but he does them so fast. Mm-hmm. It's um yeah, it's still like just crazy to this day that Chandler like like it, it, this isn't talked about enough. That guy knocked out Dan Hooker, and Dan Hooker is still like obscenely durable for all intents and purposes. Incredibly durable, yeah. Like um. Like, you can say, like, oh, Hooker got caught, or just, like, oh, he was caught square, but, like, drop. Let, let's say dropping Hooker isn't enough to kind of go, like, what the hell, after that war with Poirier, hey, but even then, like, knocking him out, that is just, that that says something. Um. So, so once again, it's kind of like, so we have Michael Chandler, who is an explosive, like, wrestler, and... Definitely has the power to put, like, someone out in a shot. Um, Gaethje, whom... I don't think Gaethje has an exceptional, like, A, like, tier chin. But I think he has great recovery. Um, but do you want to be with Mikey Chandler punching you, like, a hundred times per second on the ground? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, the thing is... Um, the counterpoint, though, is Chandler can no longer really take a big shot the way he used to. Not at all. Like, his durability's not there anymore, so he's... But th- this is kind of a fight where it kind of feels like whoever lands the first big shot, like, um, is also likely to get that moment. But it's also, like, both guys outside of that, just there's other things. Like, what's Gaethje going to do? And, like... Is Chandler going to be more effective, like, if he draws him into those reactive takedowns? And how's Gaethje going to handle those? Or is letting Chandler going on the front foot a good idea to draw him into easy counters like Pitbull did and just nukes him in a second? Like, these are – or does Gaethje kind of try to focus on the outside and, like, wear him down with kicks? Because Chandler's I mean, yeah, because Chandler's lead lead leg is super kickable. Yeah, because he's so planted on it because he's – bursting forward so it's like the this fight is it's not as chaotic in the way that i think like matching up Oliveira chandler was on paper but it's still pretty chaotic yeah this this is super hard to predict because we don't really know where gaethje is and same with chandler both are like crazy men and have (laughs) have tools that that present a lot of troubles and new challenges to the other (laughs) fighter yeah, I'd say um, w- one thing I'll also say is, although I do think Chandler's durability is gone, I think his craft on the feet has improved, like, yes. in how he creates his um, pressure and how he creates his big shots. Like, um, cutting Justin off... Justin is a very good athlete, and he's fast, but the way he moves is not very quick, so mm-hmm. if Chandler can avoid the leg kicks, he might have success blitzing in and out from, from mm-hmm. Justin's. Yeah, the uh the the problem is of course like Gaethje is still kind of a counter puncher by nature, so it's like like 
Gagey is going to look for, like, the moments Chandler does something and try to time him. Um, and I think – I don't think Gagey can actually throw, like, more – in a, that many more layers than Chandler can, but I do think, like, he's more proficient and probably in exchange in general. I mean, if, if the – if the combination one goes like more than three punches deep, I'm favoring Justin by a big yeah, margin. Yeah, that's a good way of phrasing it. Yeah, so it's like, um, I think I, I think a good way of looking at this, like in a broader sense, is so what are the problems like isolated problems we see with both Gaichis? For me, the problem with backfoot Gaichi here is, um, I think how Gaichi manages space with his opponent in the center of the ring is great. Um, I think how he handles space when he has to move laterally and away from them needs a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, if Gaethje has to concede in that fight, his ring craft is going to matter. Or, or, like, timing those counters is going to matter. Um, but I also think because Chandler is going to come in on him, um, there's a possibility they might clinch up. And if that happens, um, we might see the return of the patented, uh, sorry, Gaethje's patented um, counter uppercuts, collar tie uppercuts. Yeah. And I'm not sure how good of a clinch fighter Michael Chandler is, but I'm pretty sure he's not that good. No, he's he's not there. I mean, it all depends on what and how Justin reacts to the to the grips, because yes. if Chandler gets like like body to body against him he's probably taking justin for a ride because mm-hmm. he's, yeah. he's so strong and so powerful yeah, Ga- Gage's and, hips and, are crazy, and also but... a good wrestler it's not that he's just strong it's that he yes. has like chains to his wrestling he can mm-hmm. he can move from single to double he can move from single to to high crotch so he has he has the depth to take someone like justin down but if yeah. Justin addresses the the wrist early, like he did against Javier early on, um, he can get like into a a phone boot fight, and I, and I think he wins that one easily. Yeah, I um yeah. W- one thing I thought about was um like in, in terms of like uh predicting um like the hand fights, kind of an interesting question too, because like you saw Chandler kind of blitz in like use Oliveira's hand fight as a trigger to hit him and Gaethje is a willing hand fighter. Um, that, that might be a problem here because Chandler explodes him so fast. Um, there, there's also just like the, um, issue of like wrestling in general. Cause it's like Gaethje still has pretty underrated hips because he's very strong. Yeah. Well, strong, but, um, so th- this um this fight because like Khabib isn't like a great precedent for like no, measuring no, Gaethje's ground not game. Not at all. And Chandler isn't like a too much of an aggressive top player, but he is a pretty strong chain wrestler, like you said. And so, he's also very strong at maintaining top position and staying safe. I mean, mm-hmm. he has blanketed good good grapplers from top position. So yeah. if he gets like Justin flat on his back. You know, Justin might not be able to get back to his feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the thing is that the pace here is probably going to be so crazy that if they both get tired, pay, it's pace obvious is a, that I trust Justin more in that fight. Pace is kind of a funny question here because, like, Chandler is known for his insane pace and kind of, like, still kind of exploding into it more and more. 
because he expends so much energy. But, like, I've seen Gaethje kind of, like, operate at a great pace, too, even when tired. But a lot of that's kind of informed by his ability to deal damage in that time. Yeah. So. And the thing the point, is that Chandler, Chandler gets tired, but he's, like, when he's tired, he, he stopped doing stuff so he can get, mm-hmm. like, this big burst. And he's still super dangerous there, especially if they're both tired. So yeah. if they get tired, like I'm, I'm favoring Justin, but Chandler still has a chance yeah. to land a big yeah, punch so, there or a takedown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, girl, going on the front foot for pressure here with Gaethje is also an interesting alternative. In my opinion, it might be the better one. If they get tired, I think Justin should just pressure forward. Yeah, I, think I, understand, be- I understand if he doesn't want to do that early on. But if the if the fight gets into war territory, I think Justin should should go forward. Yeah, in terms of like dealing attritional damage, there's no doubt Gaethje should be the guy that is favored there, especially with the leg kick damage, because nobody at lightweight punishes like resets the way he does with um, kicks in general. That's his biggest strength. Um, so I I I don't know what this fight's gonna look like. There's so much basically to talk about i have but yeah there, there it might is, end instantly it might be a shootout chandler at its most boring might smother him they might murder like, each other it's like a matchup that we haven't seen either of these guys face so mm-hmm. so that's that's what makes it so great yeah i'm picking justin by knockout on the second round but this is really like yeah wait and see the fight that kind of makes me, like, side with Gaethje here is that Pitbull knockout loss because Pitbull timed him on entry. And I think if Patricio Pitbull can do that, Justin Gaethje can do that. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, but also, like, Pitbull is, is faster and a better mechanical puncher than Justin is. Mm-hmm. So, you never know. I mean. True. Th- there's just a lot we just won't know until we see it. Well, the thing is that if Chandler gets hurt, unless he lands like a Hail Mary, Justin is going to eat him alive. Justin, so, yeah, so Chandler he, is the guy who can't afford to get hurt here. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'll take I'll take Gaethje by that knockout. Hopefully it hopefully it's really entertaining. Yeah, and, hopefully we don't see any any lying on top. I mean, for for a few minutes it's, it would be alright, but but I want to yeah. see this guy's bang. <laughs> Yeah, th- this is this is it's a Justin Gaethje and a Michael Chandler fight. It it should be awesome. I think about these... talking about awesome fights, that, but a one that feels kind of necessary. But yeah, let's move on to the next one. Yeah, it goes downhill from here. I sort mean, of. this this sort one should of. be both both title fights should be good fights. It's yes. That, it's that do we really need this? Basically, yeah. So, Rose Namajunas is having an instant rematch against Wei Li Zhang. I think, or is it Zhang? I always mess this no, up. Zhang, see? Zhang, yeah. So, I think starting with this fight is asking kind of why Rose won last time. And I think, like, it was kind of a matter of depth, basically. Like, Rose is used to playing with that rhythm and range a lot more than Zhang. And, like, you see Zhang, like, using kicks and trying to blisten, but Rose is constantly messing with rhythm. Eventually creates that, like, double, yeah. triple threat setup for that high kick and kills her. 
but even as as sure as was like we saw what a lot of people thought that the inside light kick was going to be trouble for Rose and it mm -hmm. was for for the short duration of the fight Mm -hmm. um, I think Rose has all the tools to to outclass Wei Li for a good while, but if she doesn't get the knockout early, it might get rough. I mean, Rose is still fragile on the clinch, and I think that's that's the biggest problem for her in this fight. And also, she doesn't have the the greatest cardio, and Wei Li showed on the Joanna fight that. She can go hard for five mm -hmm. very stupid rounds. Yeah. Zhang, um, R Rose is kind of dangerous off of in the ground phase, but, like, if I, I don't think Zhang should afford to, like, mess around too much on the feet here. Or if she, unless she changes tactics. Because, um, evidently, like, um, letting Rose, like, get that in and out work was kind of the deal breaker. And so. Yeah, it, it's hard to really say because um, I don't really buy personally that Zhang has that much depth to really pull it off. But I mean, um, he, it's not about depth, but she has the physical tools to mm -hmm. to exploit what other fighters have exploited about Rose. I mean, mm -hmm. Jessica Andrade didn't have the depth to deal with Rose, but eventually she just figured out that she just just go to the body, counter entries, go to the mm -hmm. clinch. I think Andrade, though, to play devil's advocate for a minute, though, also had the benefit of kind of being immortal, sort of, strawweight. I mean, so. but, yeah, but we thought that... Well, then again, actually, Jean... We thought about sure. that against her fight with Wei Li and Wei Li killed her. Oh, yeah. I impartially corrected. Yeah, that's... So, yeah, it's it's a bit crazy how how things work. Yeah, this division's weird. Um, Yeah, I, I don't really know... What to read here because like these are two fighters i don't really specialize in but um yeah i i mean this this one this one should be very interesting to see as unnecessary as the rematch feels because it's if it goes into a long fight this should be a lot of fun i should give us answers about where both fighter fighters at at this moment yeah because um it, it, the, the main interesting question here even if that doesn't happen is like Okay, so we had fight one happen. How how does Rose build upon fight one? And what kind of things does Weili Zhang do differently to kind of change things? So those are the two main questions, I think. Um, I think if it goes long, Rose, Rose loses the last two rounds. I'm not sure if Weili can win another round there to win the fight. But I think Rose faders and... You don't want to fade against mm -hmm. Whaley. On the other hand, early on, Rose should have the advantage, as he, as mm -hmm. you already showed on their first meeting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really know how to call this. Yeah, like, I mean, um, it's super hard to... Yeah, this it one feel, to me feels, feels like coin flip, despite the result we just, of the first fight. It, yeah, because we just don't know, like some things we just don't know yet but it still feels like based upon what we do know kind of have to pick rose again yeah yeah i'm going i'm taking the gamble and i'm, pay, I'm picking way mm -hmm. by decision respect yeah i'll take um yeah i'll take rose by a second round knockout this time okay. maybe get that's that's cool i mean yeah. she can crack for sure so <laughs> yeah so 
Anyhow, yeah, I think and if that's you, a comment. And if you thought that one was unnecessary. <laughs> um, the main Kamara Usman versus Colby Covington, too, for the welterweight belt. Um, I don't know. So, um, yeah, this fight kind of feels like it's being made a lot because the first fight was a banger, and it was. But it was also really funny and sloppy. Yeah, it was like, I mean, I described it at the time as of two wrestlers kickboxing the movie. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so that fight, I, I, I've literally written down exactly what happened. So basically, it, it's a weird matchup because basically you have Colby Covington who products through it like his volume, but it's often purposeless volume just for the sake of scaring you. But he can't wrestle with that necessarily against Usman. And there's Usman who is this weird tactile learner on the feet, as in basically he learns through trial and error or and has to improvise a lot because it's basically like, oh, that didn't work. Try this. Try that. Also, oh, that didn't work. Yeah. Also, so, the first fight was weird because we all were, we were all wondering. I mean, a lot of us were counting on that Usman was going to easily out-wrestle easily wrestle Colby. But then neither guy wanted to wrestle at all. Yeah, I guess like, both both guys were. I think my theory is that both guys were concerned about their card, cardio and didn't want to gamble wrestling with another good wrestler. Which is weird because both guys have like what two of the most proven gas tanks in the UFC. So for all the shit we give, yeah, Pelton, but but they depend both depend a lot on being less tired than their opponent. True. Okay. So what if what if this takedown attempt backfires? And, and obviously we see that Usman should be the better wrestler, both physic- physically and technically. But nah, you never know. I mean, Colby, for all his faults, is a tremendous scrambler. True, like, yeah. Like Maya got like super deep shots on him and didn't accomplish anything at all. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, so the first fight, what ends up happening is basically Usman <laughs> turns into a wood chipper and wood chips himself in Covington. That isn't even just that is actually what happens. And so yeah. you'll you'll have amazing moments where Usman just decides, oh, this guy's jabbing me up. I shall switch to cell phones, try to jab him, and then it gets cross countered. Outered yeah, I mean, and then switches guys- back and realizes, wait, your jab isn't that good, so I'll just murder you to the body. Both guys were were finding all the minim all the meaningful offense was found on the counter for both guys. Yeah, like, it's like like the, I think what made the difference was that I mean both Kamaru and Colby were finding good shots on the counter and were hurting each other, but Kamaru eventually found good leads with the with the jab from both stances. And Colby didn't have that, so he started wearing on the yeah. Diamond. There's um like th- there's a difference in kind of the process to how they operate on the feet with their pace. Like Covington kind of just throws for the sake of throwing often to kind of scare the other guy, right? or to just throw a lot. Whereas Usman, you see kind of that more precision kind of tactics. Yeah, I mean Col- Colby because he's I a thinker. Was, yeah, Colby was pressing forward and he was like praying for mistakes, and to his credit. Uh, he was when Kamaru made mistakes, he made him pay. But Kamaru <laughs> was more thoughtful in the sense that he was trying to create those openings instead of hoping that Kobe gave him <laughs> to them, to him. So, so I think that was the main difference. And also, as I said, like 
you know, both guys weren't finding much success leaving, so they were both hurting each other with the counters. And eventually Kimaru realized, I can actually lead safely with this jab from both stances. And Kovi can't. So I'll just jab and counter and eventually hurt yeah. him that way. Yeah, the other thing is he also realized Covington only operates like strictly on that center line. And Usman was like, what if I just duck and hit you to the body really freaking hard? Or what if I just kind of step in? And this is ultimately what creates the knockout. Like, what if I step in and make you smother? And then just as you're backing, I crack you really hard. And it's just like those little things just made kind of the difference. Because it's like... Yeah, you can tell Colby Colby was... Colby had some good ideas and had like... uh, His trainers gave him some good advice of what to do in the pocket. He was looking decent there, but then the lack of experience as a striker showed because his exits were weren't as clean. He mm-hmm. was exiting the pocket with his chin up there, and eventually Kamaru figured mm-hmm. it out like, I don't have to wait for my turn. I can just crack him when he's exiting. Yeah, and it's like Covington also like benefited by being really durable here because it's like um, he he took big shots from Colby. He did. Colby, Colby's not a. A big puncher, but he was landing clean and hard on on Kamaru. Yeah, Usman Usman's biggest problem is like he has to figure out what works for him, and that means he's very open early because he doesn't have the defensive like depth yet. Um, and he also like he's kind of when Kamaru also I feel like he needs to warm up to warm up. He has so to figure it out, but it means he has to stiff, improvise. He's super stiff at the beginning of fights. Yeah. That's why it means he has to get hurt by. By Burns and by Masvidal. Yeah. It means he has to, like, improvise a bit a lot, but he's good at improvising at the very least. The one thing that drives me crazy is he doesn't, like, operate transitionally yet because it's, like, you have this, like, top 10 clinch in the whole UFC and you don't, like, know how to punch into transitions. And that would be really, really cool for you to learn. So... But yeah, it it's kind of didn't matter here because it's like Usman kind of fought like an idiot, but he still like outskilled Covington. And yeah, and, him. and to consider him is that we've seen Usman just getting better on the feet. Yeah, not by that big of a margin as people no. think, but but he's still better than when he faced Colby. And Colby, if anything, looked pretty lackluster against Woodley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the book is out on Woodley, and you still look kind of mediocre. You're dead to me. Um, but yeah, it's like um, I think I think the thing about Usman's improvements, quote unquote, like a lot of people have been saying, like he's been turning into like the Trevor Whitman style, like neutral range fighter. And I'm not really seeing that. I think he's just kind of like trying to find ways to be more defensively responsible. Well, and it's not working early, but he eventually figures it out. Yeah. And it's also, also it's also like a lot of people, you and I have talked about this before, Masvidal looked really bad in that rematch. Yeah, I mean... do anything. I mean, the, the knockout was great and all, but, but Masvidal looked like shit. I, I give more credit to the to the Gilbert fight, if anything. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's... Not, um, that, not, that, not that Gilbert is a better fighter than Masvidal, I don't think he is. But the performance was more impressive, even though Kamaru looked way better against Masvidal because Masvidal didn't do really anything to give him trouble. Yeah, it's um like the, the book's kind of out on like looking at Usman as a fighter. Like he's open early. He has to feel like what works. So 
and I don't think Masvidal too is a great precedent for like how does he approach rematches that he's already won. Yeah, like, and because Masvidal didn't really try. Um, and so here with Covington, it's also like like we haven't we've only seen Covington fight Woodley, and Woodley isn't going to be the guy who's going to ask those questions of Covington really because it's like although Covington kind of did use the <clears throat> excuse me anti Woodley playbook, it's still like. He didn't really like fully dominate that fight. I mean, either. I mean, Burns beat Woodley way better, and he did it before. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, so it's like it's not that impressive of a win, and it's not really like a good indictment for seeing him improve. But um, who I knows? think it would be he, smart for for Usman to try for the clinch at least yes. once on this fight to see how that goes. I think he holds a big advantage there, but. Uh, I understand if he doesn't want to get into the whole wrestling thing, especially if he feels like the superior striker going on into the rematch after the knockout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I, I do. I, I will say um, on Covington's side, like Covington did actually try in that first fight going for some of those wrestling or like clinch exchanges. But every time he did, like Usman instantly would just like smother him and crack him to the body. Yeah. Or, like, knee him. And so it's, like, that scared Covington off of, like, looking for those moments anyway. So the question is, why didn't Usman look for more of those? And I kind of get it because it's, like, oh, I don't have the depth to, like, maybe cross this or I don't really know how to create the clinch off of this from such a willing trader. Maybe he felt vulnerable in the transitions. Who knows? Or he was just angry and just wanted to kick his ass. (laughs) Who knows? So, yeah, um, I think this is a a pretty easy pick. For Usman, I'm picking a yeah. knockout on the third round, but but I mean, if Colby hurts him early, he has the gas tank to take advantage of that. So mm-hmm. it's not like he has a zero chance here. Yeah, we don't know what Covington looks like. We don't know what he's been working on. We do. We've seen what Usman's been doing. Um, I mean, even the even if the if Colby shows like exactly like on the first fight, he still has a small chance. I mean, Usman is the obvious pick here, don't get me wrong. But I wouldn't be completely surprised if Colby won this one. No, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was still kind of an ugly competitive fight again, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it, it might just kind of be a repeat of last time, maybe quicker, because Usman kind of knows the tools. Um, who, who knows, really? But yeah, I mean, no reason to pick against Usman. I'll say he wins again by fourth round this time. Maybe a little yeah. faster. Okay, so yeah, I'm going knockout on the third. Yeah. So that's it for picks. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, we're going to give some recommendations for fight that sh- you shouldn't miss on this yeah. one before leaving you guys. Um, so I'd say from- I'd say Vergara Osborne will probably be really fun. The first yeah, I mean if you if you wanna if you wanna it's watch not, something on the other. I wouldn't say it's like can't miss, but it's definitely probably gonna be fun. Yeah, I mean, if you if you want to have fun early, yeah, don't miss that one. Um, uh, the Shabazian fight probably going to be fun too, actually. Mm-hmm. But if you want to get into like the really good stuff, like do not miss Al versus Bobby Green. Like that one is, don't miss it at all. 
Uh, I wouldn't put much stock on the Bereda fight because it's such a gimme. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to see a highlight knockout, you're mm-hmm. probably going to get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the main card, the main card is great. Just watch mm-hmm. the whole thing because yeah, like even even the rematches, they're still like intrigue and they're still probably going to be exciting because it's like they're gonna be good fights. Yeah, even yeah, if, it's if, like Ga- Gaethje Chandler and Burgos uh, Billy Q are like the MVPs, but like yeah. But yeah, like um, th- this is this is a good card. It's not as strong as last week, but there's still a lot of things to like. Yeah, I mean, I-, I watched the whole thing and I have fun. So yeah, but um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say other than um, if you watched last weekend's yard, damn that Peter Yan guy is really really good. Very very good. Do not act like we didn't tell you. <laughs> don't act. Yep, and I think we got most of our picks right. Well, you did. But like we call the I had every right. pick right except for the main event. But I said Glover had a good chance, yes. so I covered yeah. my ass. <laughs> well, that's okay. I, I think dynamics matter more here than yeah. Actual, like, yeah, we got we got the. I mean, it's more impressive to get the dynamics right, and I think we got like Most at least ninety percent. Yeah, we yeah we did great. So we're this is the part where where we are partying each other on the back for being yeah. great <laughs> yeah because that, that's kind of the point of this preview pod because it's like I, I mean like picks matter but we're not gamblers so it's more like we're i mean about like getting the outcomes yeah if you like ideas yeah the, the results are just a guess really what's mm-hmm. important is getting the the process right mm-hmm. but if you're a gambler and you want to hear to some smart talk here we are anyway. Yeah, and just look at this guy's record from last time. He got 15 out of 16, close enough. Whereas I think I got 10 out of 16. It was 16 last No, week. no, no. You, you just got drunk the the bulk of one. So we were okay. we were the same picks. On every no, I think I, I think I did get three of them wrong because it's like one of them was like, fuck you, I'm picking this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this one I, I think is kind of more like coin flips though than last one. Yeah, so. the... Um, this this one is for sure harder to predict. I think this one is riskier for from a betting perspective. But, but um, yeah, yeah it, it's a good card. Highly hope you all have fun. And rare we get two good UFC events in a row. But you know, I'm out of things to say. Um, other than all hail yawn. All hail yeah. You're the one here.